Well, welcome again to Dubois Alliance Church. Uh, I don't know how you all felt about the New Life series that we just finished, but for me it was one of my favorites since I've come here. Uh, I think there's so much in Colossians. It's not a book that is often preached on, but I think there is so much rich information God had for us in Colossians, and I really enjoyed especially going through Colossians 3 with you all. That was basically its own series altogether, but uh, really looking at what it means to have new life and to live new life uh, is so drastically important uh, for the believer. Uh, we can't just rest back and say, well, well uh, I'm going to heaven. That's good enough for me, and, and we just go do our own thing, but to really live out this new life. Uh, as God was you know, speaking to me on what to do next, one of the things that came across was uh, the reality that many of us don't have an incredibly clear definition of the foundational principles of our faith. Uh, We know what we believe, but for many of us, we don't know why we believe it. We just know, well, that's, I'm part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, or that's what my pastor says, and so that's what I believe. For me, I went to college. Uh, I, if you don't know my story, just a little bit about my story was I came to know Christ when I was like 14-ish in like an independent Baptist church uh, and didn't grow much until somehow uh, through a set of circumstances I still don't fully understand, I found myself at Bible college. And uh, I went in undecided because I refused to acknowledge that God wanted me to be a pastor because I didn't want to do that. Uh, The only view of pastor I had was not what I wanted to be. And so I thought, well, I'm not doing that. So went into college and I had really never discovered what I believed. My my family were Jehovah Witnesses. And so coming into the uh, Baptist church. Uh, I just basically believed everything the pastor said. I was like, okay, this, this guy preaches from the Bible, so everything he says must be true. And so I just basically adopted his belief systems and everything he said. I didn't go to scripture. I didn't study it myself. I didn't really try to figure out what I believed. And so uh, I'm in college, and we have this uh, class. Uh, I can't, don't remember which class it was, but we, were, we would do debates and we would take different sides of a view. Uh, one of the things I liked about Lancaster Bible College, which is where I went, was that they were non-denominational. And so I had professors from all walks of faith with all different sets of beliefs that really challenged me to think. So I'm in this class, and if you don't know me very well, then you probably don't know I love to argue. It's like, unfortunately for my wife, it is like my favorite thing to do, is to uh, ask questions and poke holes in what people think, because I love to think. I love to research. I love to think. I love to be pushed to think, and I just think everybody else does too. So if you say something, I feel like my best service to you is to poke holes in it and make you doubt what you just said so that you have to go back and and rethink it again. Um, I found not everybody really likes that and cares for that nearly as much as I do. Uh, But in this class, I thought, well, Obviously, I'm going to take the opposing view from what I believe in order to learn more about it, and so I'll debate that. And so uh, I went into it. It was, uh, do the miraculous gifts still exist? And going to an independent Baptist church, obviously, they, I was taught they do not exist. And so I thought, I'm going to take the view that they do exist, and I'm going to defend that. 
uh, because I don't know much about that side of the view. Uh, that's just my personality. And so as I'm doing my research, and I'm, I love this, this is like I love to do. I love to jump in. I'm, I'm reading scripture. I'm, I'm studying through it. And all of a sudden, I come to the realization of this is true. They do still exist. Uh, everything I'm studying in Scripture points to the reality that they're still in existence and still in uh, use today. And so here uh, I come to find out, and it was like a big earth-shattering moment for me, a big faith-shaking moment as I realized my pastor wasn't right about everything. But more specifically, I never researched what he said. I just took it with a grain of salt and said, well, if it's from the Bible, he must have all the answers. Uh, There can only be one view on everything. And I realized that's just not true at all. And so I went through this journey throughout my years of college deciding I'm going to figure out what I believe. I'm going to look at Scripture, not based on what I was told, but based on what it says. And I'm going to come to decisions based on what I see in Scripture, not what somebody else tells me. And So for me, it was where I really began to cement the foundation of my faith. And as I've grown, again, uh, one of the things you you might know about me or you'll you'll learn about me is uh, I love to study. I love to research things. I love to know more about things. Like I would just, my wife can tell you, I would just sit at night and randomly research random things. One night I got on to pepper. I don't know if you know, but there are many different kinds of peppercorns, and some are better than others. And I can tell you that the Telecherry peppercorn is the best pepper that you can possibly consume, okay? So there's some information for you. Nobody wants it, but I have it. Uh, I just like to research things. I get on these kicks and research random things. Uh, But really, this time in my life, when I began to research the theological principles, I thought, man, why does everybody not know this stuff? And as I've grown in my faith, as I've become a pastor and and I teach it discourages me to realize how few believers have a firm foundation in Christ. They know he is a firm foundation, but they know absolutely nothing about it or very little. They couldn't defend it uh, should anybody begin to poke holes in it. And that, and that again, uh, one of the things you've learned from me is uh, I don't really understand church culture too much. I, I, I ask a lot of questions of like the way that church has been done for many years because I, come in, I came into this whole thing not knowing what it was. And so I don't just take things for granted like, oh, that's how we've always done it. I don't know how we've always done it. I just know this is going to be the most effective way to do it, so this is what we're going to do. Uh, and this seems to follow what Jesus wants for us. So uh, for me to come in and to, and to ask you know, questions about the foundations and for very few believers being able to answer those questions, to me it was, like, why are we talking about all this other stuff if we don't have the basics down? Why, why are we doing advanced Christianity if we don't even understand the basics. That just didn't make any sense to me. Some of you know I'm, I'm really into martial arts. Uh, I teach a class here if you're ever interested. Uh, but you can't move on from the foundational principles. You, you can't be teaching advanced techniques if you don't know the, the, the essentials, the basics. And, and one of the things I've learned in martial arts is you are never too good to go back to the basics. You can never train the basics too much. You can never practice the foundational principles of whatever your martial art is more or, or too much. And I think the same is true of our faith. Too often we, we want to talk about, we want to debate, we want to get into advanced Christianity topics, but we have a very loose hold of the foundation. So, so what is a foundation? Uh, we, we're going to use this word a lot. Uh, the definition of foundation is the lowest load-bearing part of a building, typically below ground level, or 
A second definition would be an underlying basis or principle. Uh, Many of us, we have foundations under our homes, uh, but that's not the type of foundation we're going to be talking about. What we're talking about in this series is the second definition, an underlying basis or principle. What would you consider to be the foundational principles of your Christian faith? Have you ever thought about that? Uh, I had someone ask me one time, uh, which I think is a great question to ask, if you had a disciple and you could only teach them five things, what would those five things be? It's a good question to wrestle with as you think about what are the five most important aspects of my faith that I would pass on to somebody else? That if I could only teach them five things, these are the five I would teach them. But I want you to also wrestle with What are the foundational principles of your faith? What would you consider to be that which everything else is built upon? What is the foundation for you? And how sure are you regarding those foundational principles? If you were to say, well, I believe that the Trinity, that God is both uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's a foundational principle. Well, how much do you know about that principle? Well, that's about it. That's what I know about that principle. Well, I would argue um, that's not good enough. Uh, We need to go deeper. We need to go further. We need to understand it more thoroughly. And that's what we're going to do as we journey through this series is we're going to be talking through the foundational principles of our faith and hopefully get to a place where we all understand them well enough to say, I am clear in the foundational principles of my faith. I know what I believe and I know why I believe it. And it's not just because pastor said so. But I don't want this series to just be about information. Ecclesiastes 7.12 says, For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. We're not just going to do knowledge gathering during this series. Uh, Knowledge is good, but wisdom is better. If you've never heard the old analogy... Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. Uh, Wisdom is knowledge applied. And that's what my hope is through this series, is that, yes, we are going to talk knowledge stuff. I'm going to throw a lot of knowledge at you. It's going to be a little bit nerdy at times. Uh, We're going to get technical. But the hope is that we will learn how that applies to our life. Because every principle we're going to talk about should drastically change the way we live our life. Because the foundation, how your foundation is, should drastically change your home. Uh, Most of you probably don't have like a 4,000 square foot foundation and a 1,000 square foot home. Most of us don't have that. Uh, Why? Because the foundation determines the home. You probably have a foundation that matches the home that sits on top of it. Uh, And for some of us, what's on top doesn't really match the foundation underneath. We have a very small foundation. We think we have this huge house built on top of it. But reality is it's teetering. And should we ever encounter something that shakes our faith, like the death of a loved one or something that doesn't fit our framework, our foundation would crumble. And you've experienced that. How many of you know somebody who you thought was a foundational believer? They they really believed in Jesus. They loved him with all their heart. Something happened and they were done. They were gone. They were out of the church and they haven't been back. That's somebody who didn't have a foundation, whose foundation was not firm. And when the winds came and when the storms came, it shook and the house fell. And for many of us, we're in danger of that. 
We don't think we are, but if you, we don't understand the foundational principles of our faith, then all it takes is somebody poking enough holes in it till we realize, ah, man, I don't know what I believe anymore. What do I believe? And trust me, you don't want to go on that journey, you know, when you're 50, 60, 70 years old. Do it now, even if you are that age. Do it now. Go through the foundational principles. Really gather this and, and be able to stand firm on it. I do find it interesting how we can base our eternity on something, yet at the end of the day know very little about it. Eternity is a long time. I don't know if you've ever mapped it out, but it's a while. It's going to be a while, like eternity. And many of us say, yes, I believe in Jesus. He is my hope for eternity. But I couldn't defend him to anybody. I couldn't defend the basic principles of it to anybody. Many of us have placed our faith in Jesus. But if someone were to ask us how one person dying meant that all people could be guiltless and sinless and free, how would you explain that? Doesn't make any sense. I don't know if you know math, but one equals one, not infinite amount of people, or almost infinite, not infinite. What would we say to that? How would we explain to someone who asks, well, how does one person like Jesus dying mean that every human being can be without sin if they just ask? What, how does it make any sense? How would we explain that? If someone asked how we talk about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, but we consider ourselves monotheistic, meaning we serve one God, how would we explain that? How do you explain how you serve one God, but you refer to him as three different persons? Are you polytheistic? Do you serve three gods, or do you serve one God? Well, I know what we would say, but how would we talk about it? Do you know the scriptures to go to? Do you understand the foundation that that rests on? How does the whole sin thing work? What is sin? Could Jesus have sinned? Those are foundational principles to talk about. We talk about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Well, could he sin? Or could he not sin? Was it impossible for Jesus to sin? How can he be tempted if he can't sin? Does anybody know? Those are foundational principles to our faith. If we die with unconfessed sin, what happens then? People have asked me that. I know that's, that question comes up a lot when there's a suicide in someone's family. What, what happens with that? What do we do with that? That's foundational. What happens to a child who passes away before they say the prayer? What do we do with that? How do we answer that question? These questions, are they all surround foundational principles of our faith. If we can't answer these with confidence, we can't really claim our foundation in Christ is solid. I don't know about you, but I want to know that my foundation in the hope I have for all of eternity is rock solid. And that the reason I believe what I believe is because it is found in the Word of God. It has been proven time and time again, and it is what God said, not what pastor said. Because I promise you, I will say something wrong from time to time. I get things wrong. My views on even foundational principles, you should check against the Word of God, and you should know that you believe it, not because it's said from a pulpit or because you, you heard it on television or you heard it on a radio show or, or, or because your favorite Bible uh, professor or your, your favorite Bible scholar believes it, but because you went to the book 
You went to the Bible. You researched it. You prayed it over. You sought after it, and God showed it to you. And before any of you think like, all right, well, I barely graduated high school. I don't think I'm going to make it through this series. This is way over my head. I just want to be very clear. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. There's your answer right there. If you think these concepts are beyond you, if you think they're too much for you, or we're going to be, I, I, trust me, I will, I will do my best to whittle them down to the basics of what they are because I, my, my, my goal will not be to impress you with my great knowledge because I don't have that much. Uh, so most of what I do is research. I read what other smart people say and then I bring it back to you. I chew it up and spit it back out. Uh, so I'm not that smart, so I'm not going to be presenting it with all these fancy terms. I won't be opening up the Greek every week and making up noises you know, that, uh, to say this is what the Greek says. It's not what I'm about. But I'm going to take us to the foundational principles, explain them based on the Word of God, but I want you to be in prayer too. I don't care how smart you think you are. This should be a prayer of yours anyhow. To ask God to give you wisdom because his wisdom is way beyond yours. Proverbs 2.6 also says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Many of you know, man, I can preach through a verse a thousand times. And it takes that one time of the Holy Spirit opening his mouth in your mind and heart when you read that verse and it explodes into something that no human being could ever do. Why? Because of this verse. The Lord gives wisdom. He will open things up to you in a way that means so much more. He will teach you how to apply them better than I can teach you how to apply them if we seek Him first. And so that I want to make very clear. I will do my best to make it clear and understandable, and we'll, we'll try to dissect it in a way that makes sense and, and uh, resonates with you. But if you're not praying this stuff, it's, gonna, it's not going to do you any good. If you're not seeking God in it and asking Him to lead you and guide you and teach you, it's not going to do a whole lot of good. As part of the Alliance, we have a document that we refer to as our Statement of Faith. Now, we as a church of the Christian Missionary Alliance would adopt it fully and wholeheartedly. Otherwise, we wouldn't be a church of the Christian Missionary Alliance. This is our official statement regarding many of the foundational principles of our faith. Some of you, you came to our church after checking us out online. Uh, I know that some of you, you looked us up, you Googled us or whatever. Uh, well, I hope that one of the documents that you went to when you Googled us was our beliefs, what, what we believe. And you've already read through at least our statement of faith. If you have read through it, you're probably aware that it is the bare bones. Uh, it's one of the things I really love about the Christian Missionary Alliance churches. If you travel our country, if you're somebody who loves to travel, here's something I encourage you to do. As you travel, search out CMA churches and attend them in all different states and all different places, and you will find, man, there are no two that seem to be the same. They're so drastically different that uh, you'll walk into one, and it'll be hymns only. It'll be, you know, organ playing, all that. You'll walk into another one, and they're hooting and hollering. They're jumping, dancing around. Lights are going. Smoke's going. That's, that's, our, that's our denomination. We're all over the place. And, and because our statement of faith is so bare bones that it leaves so much room to be who God's created us to be, that we don't have to define every little thing about our faith to say, you have to fit in this cookie cutter to be part of our denomination. It says, this is the basics, 
This is what it means to be a Christian. Other than that, figure it out. Live your life. Walk with Jesus and let him lead you where he guides you. And so uh, I love that about it. Uh, I love they, you know, they, one of their sayings is we major in the majors, not in the minors. And it really is true as far as the statement of faith is concerned. I would, uh, there's one point where we'll talk about that I, th- I would say, eh, it's probably not the absolute bare bone essential, but there's only one in the entire statement of faith that I would feel that way about. But if you're a regular attender of our church and you're not familiar with what is in the, this document, our statement of faith, this series hopefully will help to familiarize yourself with it, and you will know then what it is you claim to believe as part of the Christian Missionary Alliance Church. Any of you who have taken membership courses with me, we've gone over this material at least basically. Uh, we've gone over it and talked about uh, some of the principles in it. So for any who consider Dubois Alliance Church to be their church, this is our and your official statement of what we believe as a family. So you have copies of this in your bulletin. You can choose to follow along as we re- I'm going to read through it real quick, uh, and you can read it from there. Uh, but this is what it says. This is our statement of faith. There is one God who is infinitely perfect, existing eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the true God and the true man. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He died upon the cross, the just for the unjust, as a substitutionary sacrifice, and all who believe in him are justified on the ground of his shed blood. He arose from the dead according to the scriptures. He is now at the right hand of majesty on high as our great high priest. He will come again to establish his kingdom, righteousness, and peace. The Holy Spirit is a divine person sent to indwell, guide, teach, empower the believer, and convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. The Old and New Testaments, inerrant as originally given, were verbally inspired by God and are a complete revelation of His will for the salvation of men. They constitute the divine and only rule of Christian faith and practice. Man was originally created in the image and likeness of God. He fell through disobedience, incurring thereby both physical and spiritual death. All men are born with a sinful nature, are separated from the life of God, and can be saved only through the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The portion of the unrepentant and unbelieving is existence forever in conscious torment, and that of the believer in everlasting joy and bliss." Salvation has been provided through Jesus Christ for all men, and those who repent and believe in him are born again of the Holy Spirit, receive the gift of eternal life, and become the children of God. It is the will of God that each believer should be filled with the Holy Spirit and sanctified wholly, being separated from sin and the world and fully dedicated to the will of God, thereby receiving power for holy living and effective service. This is both a crisis and a progressive experience wrought in the life of the believer subsequent to conversion. Provision is made in the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ for the healing of the mortal body. Prayer for the sick and anointing with oil are taught in the scriptures and are privileges for the church in this present age. The church consists of all those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, are redeemed through his blood, and are born again of the Holy Spirit. Christ is the head of the body, the church, which has been commissioned by him to go into all the world as a witness, preaching the gospel to all nations. The local church is a body of believers in Christ who are joined together for the worship of God, for edification through the word of God, for prayer, fellowship, the proclamation of the gospel, and observance of the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. 
There shall be a bodily resurrection of the just and of the unjust. For the former, a resurrection unto life. For the latter, a resurrection unto judgment. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is imminent and will be personal, visible, and premillennial. This is the believer's blessed hope and is a vital truth, which is an incentive to holy living and faithful service. I'm sure all of that was super basic for all of you. You were bored halfway through, and you're now ready to tackle the weightier things of theology, right? All of that was like, that's ah, child's play. I know all of this. I know all the verses that are associated with it as well. If you didn't see, there's little blue numbers uh, at the bottom of the back of your document. That's the scripture references that go to each of those little blue numbers. Um, You can always find this on our website. You can always find this on the Alliance website as well uh, if you want uh, a different copy of it. One of the things I find interesting is uh, when I do a membership course, we always go through this, obviously, in order for someone to be a member of our church, one of the things they have to agree to is our statement of faith. You have to agree with what we believe if you want to be a member, obviously. Uh, And we'll go through this, and I'll ask, are there any questions? And there are almost never any questions. And then I begin to ask them to define certain parts of it, and all of a sudden I realize that most people have zoned out after about line two. Uh, and they just shut, their brain shut down because they didn't, didn't understand what they were reading. Uh, for those of you who didn't zone out, uh, you probably heard some things in there that you're not quite sure about, that you couldn't defend if you had to. Uh, you know that you believe them, you agree that they are truth, but you don't actually know why. You don't know why you believe that. Uh, You know that you believe that uh, God was 100% man and 100% God, but you don't really know how 200% equals 100%. You don't know how to meld those two together. Uh, You might believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We know that the the word uh, Trinity wasn't found in the Bible, but you believe that concept, but you also agree that they're one person, one God, but you don't really know why or how to defend that or how to talk about that to somebody. And so, uh, again, a lot of these principles are probably, yes, you've heard them before. You've heard them talked about before. Uh, I was just talking with one of our elders this morning about somebody, uh, a church in the area that doesn't believe there's an actual hell, um, that it's, you know, it's not really going to happen. And it's like, nah, that's what we believe. It's very clear in our document. Um, there is a conscious tor- eternal torment for those who don't believe in Jesus Christ. That's, that's who we are. We believe the word is the word. Uh, we also believe it's inerrant. If you don't know that word, um, inerrant means uh, that it is without error. Um, there's different terms, terminologies for that we'll cover as we talk through this and what those mean and what it, what it means when someone says they, they believe it's infallible versus inerrant or they might say it was an in- inerrant this way or this part is infallible. All of those things we'll talk about so that you at least understand passably what each of these concepts mean. I've not met many Christians who can thoroughly explain each of the concepts of our statement of faith. I haven't met many pastors who can clearly define what is found in our statement of faith, why they believe it, and where they find these things in Scripture. But we should be able to explain it. That's the point I want to make for us this morning. As believers, as people who say the center of our universe, everything that we are, revolves around Jesus, revolves around God. As a Christian, my goal is to be a little Christ, and we don't have even the basic understanding of what that means. I just have a problem with that. 
I struggle with how we can be Christians. And, and then I look at the church and I, I see so much sin, so many problems, so many people living out of alignment with God. And it's like, well, no wonder. We don't even know the basics. We barely have a, a grasp on God, who He is, and what we believe. No wonder we struggle so often. No wonder we have people wander out of the church and back into the church and out of the church and back into the church because uh, this week, you know, something went wrong and they blamed that on God, but then they, they got right with God and they came back, but then something else happened and they left again because the foundation is so weak that in every storm, water's seeping into their foundation. Stuff is happening. These concepts in the statement of faith are the most foundational parts of our faith. That's not even advanced theology in in the statement of faith, I would argue. There's nothing in there that's advanced theology. It's just basic. To believe this is to be a Christian. To disagree on, again, all but I think one point in there, I would struggle to say, do you really believe the Bible? Because these concepts are taken directly from the Word of God. This doesn't cover a lot of the other concepts that I would say isn't, aren't considered foundational. Uh, the alliance, we have our statement of faith, uh, and that's our official belief structure. It's, it's one of those, like, as a pastor, I, I've been ordained through the alliance. I have to agree with the statement of faith holistically and say, I 100% on board with everything that's in here. They also, though, have official statements on a lot of the other areas, what I would say the non-essentials. We do have official statements on those. So if you wonder, like, what does the Alliance believe on this? We have official statements, but as a pastor, I could be ordained and say, well, I disagree with your view on this statement. Uh, that's, that's them acknowledging these aren't the essentials, these aren't foundational, these are secondary. Um, so if you look on their website, um, cmalliance.org, uh, you'll find that they have these official statements on topics like sanctity of human life, sexuality, singleness and marriage, justice and race, sanctification, church government, definition of constituted authority, the destiny of those who have never heard, cooperation and mission, secret societies slash masonry, And they also offer four official perspectives on the topics of the lostness of man, spiritual gifts, who Jesus is, and women in ministry. So these are all official statements that you can completely disagree with and still be, you know, fully involved in the life of an Alliance church because, again, they may be official statements, but we don't have to agree on these. The statement of faith, we really should see eye to eye on the statement of faith. We really should uh, agree on the concepts in there. We're not going to cover the official statements or perspectives in this course, so uh, I told you all to, to write on a piece of paper and drop it like in the offering plate if you have a topic that you want to cover. If it's in those things, we're probably not going to cover it in the foundational principles because what I want to do is cover the foundational principles. Um, some of those things are incredibly important. That's why they, we have official statements on them, but they're just not considered foundational for the belief uh, of a Christian. But we are going to go systematically through our statement of faith over the next few weeks, and we're going to dig into each of the statements, uh, into each of the uh, concepts in our statement of faith so that we fully understand what is being said in our statement of faith. But we're also going to ask the most important question when opening up Scripture. So what? One of the questions I think that the church has not done well in teaching people to ask every time we open the Word of God, we should have the question, so what? So what am I going to do about this? 
So what is this, how does this change my life? I'm reading this, this verse, this passage. If you're somebody who does daily Bible reading, I hope you do. Uh, we, if, you, if you want uh, to jump in with us, we, we read the Bible through every year. We, do a, we have a Bible reading plan that we all jump in. You can comment at the end of it. Um, somebody other than John Connor can comment anytime they want. Uh, but we have an opportunity to read through it together, to share our, our thoughts and, and, and ideas of, of what God is speaking to us. But I love that, you know, John being one of them. Uh, every time he opens the Bible, he's learning to ask, so what? So what does this change about the way that I live? So what, is this, what impact should this have on my life? Uh, some of us have been going through a, a training program, and one of the things they do in that is a discovery Bible study. If you're ever looking for something to do with your neighbors, friends, whatever, look up DBS, the Discovery Bible Study. I love that one of their end questions is uh, basically, so what? So what have I learned? And who needs to hear about what I've learned in this study? I love those two questions because they challenge us to think about how should this affect me and who do I know that needs to hear about this change or this concept in Scripture that I just read. Great questions to ask. And I think if we're opening Scripture and we're not asking so what, then what's the point? Because if it's not going to change our life, it's, if it's not going to be applied to our life, then it's just knowledge. I mean, there are people that have memorized whole sections of the Bible, and that's great. But if they never learn how to apply it, what good is it done to just store information? It's like a library. It's great that we have a library in town and there's tons of books in there, but it doesn't do us any good until we actually read them and begin to apply the information. The goal is to take every principle that we find in our statement of faith from the vague and take it into the knowledge category to say, okay, that was really vague that first time we read it through, that first day of the series, but now I actually understand what it's saying. I understand the concept and what it is. And then ultimately to apply, uh, to put it into the wisdom category to say it. Now I know not only what this says and I know how to define it, but I also know how it's changed my life. I live differently because now I understand these concepts, and that's what the Word of God should do. What I want us to do is apply James 2 principle to our lives. In James, uh, or James chapter 1, um, verses 22 to 25, it says, But be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The material in this series, it might, be, it might not be up your alley. It might seem dry and it might seem boring to you. It might seem like... Whew, Colossians was great. This is just not my cup of tea. And that's okay. Uh, if you remember, uh, if you were around for this, um, well, it must have been two or three years by, by this point, uh, we went through a, s- a series called The Pathways of Life. Um, if you've never, if you want a cool little research project to do, look up Sacred Pathways. Um, it's how uh, the different ways that we're each hardwired to interact with God. Same God, but we all worship him in different ways. I love to be outdoors. You might hate that. Um, you might love to sit in silence and solitude. I hate that. I can't sit in silence. I'd rather take a walk outside and pray than sit in a closet uh, and pray. But we're all wired different ways. 
This might not be yours. Intellectual pursuits, the study, deep studies might not be your cup of tea. It might not be the way you interact. But I would just ask you to hold on and engage through this series because, because it will apply to your life if you allow it. If you do the research, if you do the study, if you get the information and then you ask the right questions and you wrestle with it before God, it will change your life. Every principle in the statement of faith is a life-changing principle. If we just live in a fashion that says, well, Jesus is only good for salvation, the gospel's power was used up when I said uh, yes to Jesus, and it has no effect on the rest of my life, then that changes the way you live. If you open the Word of God on a regular basis and you realize that preaching the gospel to yourself on a daily basis and studying the Word and and learning how to apply it, that that is important, then it changes the way you live. If you understand that God is all-powerful and all-loving, it changes the way you live. If you understand that that there's a a, a literal hell that people are on their way to every day of their life, your neighbors are, people walking down the street are, it changes the way you live. It gives you an urgency for the gospel. It breaks your heart for those who don't know him. And it compels us to action with the good news that we have. Everything that we learn in this series, my prayer is, will transform the way we live our lives. That's the goal of this series. To be doers of the word, not just hearers. Not just people who warm up you for half an hour to when the pastor goes really long, an hour, uh, and that's our goal, is to just hear a lot of it. It's great that some of us, we, we watch TV programs. Some of you are connected through Right Now Media. You have access to our Right Now Media program. So you have thousands of hours of Bible study and stuff that you can research. And you love to listen to that stuff. You love to hear it. You love to go to Bible studies. But are you applying it? How has it changed your life this week? The most recent study you did, the most recent sermon you listened to, the most recent Bible study you were a part of, how did it change your life? When you walked out of there, were you different or did you just gain more information? Did you just put another book on the shelf? Because I don't, God doesn't want us to be libraries. He wants us to learn how to apply everything that he has spoken to us. Now I would encourage you, you have homework. I love to give homework because I hate homework. Uh, so I love to give it. I would encourage you, take your statement of faith this week that you have there, or if you want to look it up online or however you print it out yourself in, in bigger font, uh, whatever you want to do, and I want you to read it through a few times this week. Just take it a couple times. It takes you five minutes to read through it. And I want you to highlight, underline, circle, mark it up in any way that you choose to do. Indicate the areas that you don't know a lot about. Highlight the ones that you're like, yeah, I understand this concept, but I know nothing about it. Maybe, you know, highlight in different color the ones that you're like, yeah, this is one I do know. I do know this one, and I've researched this one. I know all about this one. Uh, But mark it up in a way that shows, you know, that you've read it and that, uh, you know, indicate ones that you want to know more about. And then I would encourage you to take those things to God in prayer. God, open my mind to these. Help me to learn more about these concepts. Guide me as I seek to know more about these foundational principles. Um, take them to God. Use the, the mar- your marked up statement of faith uh, to, in a, uh, as a prayer guide as you go throughout your week to ask God to highlight, illuminate these things to you, to your mind and to your heart. And I want you to pray that God would give you wisdom and understanding. It is 
one of the most important prayers as we go through this series is that you would ask God to impart to you his wisdom and his understanding regarding his word because it is not just dry words written thousands of years ago. That is not what the Bible is. It is alive. It is living and breathing word of God. And it can have so much power if we give it the space, if we allow God to speak into it, and we trust that the Holy Spirit will illuminate these things to us, then the Word of God could come alive to you this year in a way that it's never done in the past. It could have always just been a dry thing that you've read every day of your life because you thought you were supposed to, and this might be the year it comes alive to you. It becomes a powerful weapon against the enemy and a powerful living tool that you will use to change the way you do everything. That's my prayer, and that's my hope for us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that it doesn't matter how many times we have read through your word, there are still things you will teach us every single time. There are verses that will come alive like we've never seen them before. Stories that take on new meaning. Characters we resonate with like we never did before. God, your word is amazing. Thank you for your word. And Lord, through this series, as we go through your word and discuss the foundational principles of what we believe, Lord, would you illuminate, Holy Spirit, uh, guide us through this conversation, guide us through this series, help us to learn to understand and to apply these things in ways that drastically change the way we live our lives, the way we interact with our neighbors, the way that we love those who don't yet have uh, freedom from their sin. God, that we would not feel self-righteous, but we would truly understand what it is we believe and who it is we serve. God, I pray blessings over each and every one of us as we dive into this series, God that you would make this come alive. Even if it's not our natural bend to to love to study and research and, 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 and go through the technicalities, Lord, would you guide us through this, each and every one on our personal journeys that we have with you, that we would grow tremendously through this series. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week, and I hope to maybe see you down at Mahaffey.